When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello everyone and welcome to the final heart and hand of the 2021-22 season. My name is David Edgar, I am your host as always and I'm joined this week by Andy McGowan. Good evening Andy, how are you? I'm very good David, thanks for having me back on. It's been a long season but here we are at the last, uh, last, uh, last episode but you don't have episodes, I don't know what we call them, last podcast. Well, it's the last of this season. I mean, we'll have specials throughout the summer, and we're gonna—we're not really going to go too in depth on the whole season, folks, because we'll do our our season look backs throughout summer. Uh, this is more just about the cup final on Saturday, where Rangers finally uh, got their hands on the Scottish Cup after thirteen long years. It had been a very, very long time indeed. Now, Rangers, of course, were coming off the back of absolute heartbreak on Wednesday night when we lost a penalty shootout to Eintracht Frankfurt in the Europa League final. And given the conditions that night, Andy, as well as it being emotionally such a, a taxing night, it was also physically taxing, um, both for fans uh, due to the, the rotting conditions in the stadium and the players, with uh, the, the players having to play 120 minutes plus penalties in you know 35 to, to, to 38 degree heat. And it was very, very energy sapping. But you wouldn't have known that on Saturday at Hamden after a 0-0 draw, which, to be fair, Rangers, I think any neutral observer would say, deserved to win in normal time. Uh, if it wasn't for Craig Gordon, we would have. Um, but then took command of it right at the start of the, sec- uh, the, the, the extra period and saw the game out comfortably. One team looked as though it wilted in that last half hour and it wasn't us. Aye, the Wednesday night, I mean, it's been stated time and again, but you really couldn't write a more sapping physically and emotionally uh, game or situation. And you're right, David, I was knackered. <laughs> I mean, we were there and we were watching the game. We were actually physically exerting ourselves, but the fans were knackered. So the players that played Wednesday and then played again on Saturday 
have to have great credit. And beyond that, I mean, the football department has to take great credit in getting the players ready. And whatever it is that they've invested in the players in terms of fitness has been truly, truly evident. I mean, we, we've had Rangers teams in the past where we've questioned fitness and, you know, the, the, the squad conditioning and stuff like that. Um, that's where the football department's been in its corner this year without creation. That's, was that the fourth time in 11 games we went to extra time? Yeah. And there have not been like we, you know, easy games where we've kind of slipped into extra time by mistake. These have been monumental games where it's happened. So I think it's testament to everything that's going on at, uh, in the football department at Rangers. Yeah, it was uh, very pleasing. And look, there was no way that a Scottish Cup even one after that long gap, could make up for the Europa League. And it wasn't about that, though. Uh, it's about moving on to the next challenge. It, I think it would have been a bit unfair, to say the least, had this squad of players ended up with nothing for all their efforts this season. But football isn't based on fairness. It comes down to what you do on a particular day. And going into the match against Hearts, I'll admit, Andy, I was a wee bit concerned. Going up to the game, speaking to a lot of Bears as I went, uh, I had a decent seat at Hamden for once and uh, a good view of the park. And the atmosphere was good, but everybody, as you say, was tired. It's been a long season. It had been a very, very emotionally draining week. Similar, I think, to really that 2008 final. But it was different in the, the regard that that 2008 final with the best round in the world, it was Queen of the South. And mm. I think we felt we only had to turn that. We gave it a good go to turn it into a difficult game right enough. But uh, there was a feeling that day of just, just wave the cup at us and let us go about our business. I don't think it was quite like that. The fans did get up for it and did, you know, even though we were maybe a wee bit, as I say, as a support, just a little bit <laughs> sapped. But I, I thought the fans did get right up behind the team throughout. And... It has been a long time. You know, we, we can downplay it. It's only the Scottish Cup, etc. But we haven't been winning enough trophies to, to say that any trophy is only at this point. I'll never take a trophy for granted ever again for the remainder of my life. And I think, David, it's fair to say that we're of a generation where there were times when we win things and you're mm -hmm. kind of like, I just this again. You know, it was... It's strange to think that that familiarity breeds contempt of a trophy was something that reared its head in our lifetime. And um, the Scottish Cup, a long, long time since we've won it. We all know why. We'll go down in history as to why. But even still, you know, we think back to the Hibs Cup final, we should have won, really. It's far, far too long. And I, I feel a monkey off our back by winning that trophy because um, apart from the, the kind of cataclysmic outcome it would have been to have not won the cup final after Wednesday uh, I just thought it was something we needed to do and it was another step on the long long road to recovery normality whatever way you want to put it we're, we're back I mean th this is the bottom line and, and it's been a long long road and this is just another example of why I think you touched upon there Davey about a, a concern Getting into the game, I wouldn't say I was concerned because we should be beating Hearts. But with our squad, we could have multiple kind of commutations of what teams we put in the part and still beat them. But if I'm a Hearts fan getting into a game, I'd be sitting there saying we will never ever have a better chance of beating Rangers in a cup final. Um, so still going to go and do it and we've done it. Well, that surprised me to the game itself then. Hearts, if it had been me, 
and I am not a football coach, so uh, you know Robbie Nielsen knows more about football than I do. But I would have been given it right, lads. They are clearly down. They can't not be right. It's impossible. They had such an emotional low, um, and that coming after such an incredible couple of highs, you know, that getting about them the first 20 minutes, just right on them, right for the start, see if we could take advantage, see if there is any kind of mental tiredness and, and let's go for it. They made the early chance through Sims. Then after that, nothing. And I'm not exaggerating. I, I cannot remember John McLaughlin having all that much to do. What he did, by the way, he did brilliantly, John McLaughlin. Um, there was an 89th minute corner to Hearts, and I'm sure I wasn't the only one that went, oh, God, here we go again. And he just came and plucked it straight to the sky, and you're like, superb. But um, they they seemed content to sit in their shape, let us have the ball, see if they could, they could get us in the break, which, you know, is an understandable tactic. Most times... And had it been normal circumstances, I think I might have understood it more. But what it allowed us to do was the players to play their way into the game. And mm-hmm. almost, if you like, sort of wake up from that, that any of that sort of legacy of Wednesday night, get into the game. And, and if you watch the game back, uh, I've watched it back, and we get stronger and stronger and stronger throughout that match. For me, Hart's window was that opening 20 to really put a seal on it, and when they when they didn't, I, I, honestly, I know it's easy when you're watching a game back with hindsight, but there really was only one winner. Aye, the, the Sims chance would have changed the complexion of the game entirely because they, they gave us a lot of respect and they were sitting in and they kept their shape. And to a degree, Dave, I've got to say it worked because I thought we were overly safe in terms of passing through midfield. Pretty much like we were in the, the Europa League final, we were a bit too safe and we were only breaking lines and. I think just too often the likes of Davis, Stephen Davis would turn back and play it safe as opposed to, you know, play a, a through ball. But as time went on, we were creating more and more chances and we were in total control of the game. And that's reflect the fact that they created very, very little because they never got the ball enough. And also there was a number, numerous times you were making really guilt-edged chances. So I think about the headers for Diallo and Aribo and then Aribo had a glancing header and... You know, there was just these, we were cutting through them from, from the wings. Um, so after the first 20 minutes, after that Sims scare, I thought we were total control. Um, and I know we changed the team around a wee bit, but even so, the squad were involved in Wednesday. The squad were involved in a, a, a really emotional week as well with, with Jimmy Bell's funeral and so forth. I thought, I, I was never ever sitting on the edge of my seat worried about that game after the Sims chance, I've got to say. There was just too much happening to say that we are not going to get a breakthrough. I'm pretty flabbergasted we never got it in the 90, I've got to say. Um, but you know, we made short order of it as soon as that, that uh, extra period started. It wasn't through lack of trying towards no. the end especially. I thought that the manager's substitutions helped. I thought Ryan Jack brought a bit of composure into the midfield. But Glenn Kamara coming on in that yeah. more advanced position, we've seen him a few times this season. I, I thought he was terrific when he came on. He was really he he began to be that sort of link that we hadn't quite had throughout the match. And Rangers piled on the pressure. First of all, a, a moment I thought had won the cup for Rangers. Joe Aribo with a shot. A, a brilliant save from Craig Gordon. He gets a foot to it and just manages to divert it past the post. But at the time, I was screaming for a penalty, Andy. Um, mm-hmm. Joe Aribo's having his shot pulled quite clearly. He gets the shot away, but I, I don't see any rule in the rule book that says that negates a foul. It was a foul. If it had happened outside the box, it would have been brought back. I get 
you know, 90th minute of a cup final and all the rest of it, but it was a penalty kick. Aye, I mean, I've heard this well, he got a shot away. Well, maybe they got a better shot away. Oh, no, he absolutely would have, yeah, because he, he's, he's fallen backwards as he hits it, so he can't generate the power you would expect. Yeah, and and it's that is a, a classic example of where VAR would have helped us because it was a penalty. There's no denying he had a hood, his arm and his shot, and Aribo was very strong on the turn as well on the walk, and he managed to get a shot away. And seeing that, it was an utterly fantastic save recording. It was one of the moments where you, you just can't quite believe it never went in. So it should have been a penalty. You're right about the substitutions. One wee word in Kamara, and I suppose this speaks to Gio Van Bronckhorst. When, when Van Bronckhorst came in, he kind of, you know, he put his hat on Kamara and says, you're one of my main players because he made him his number six. If you recall for the first, I don't know, five or six games, he was playing in front of the defence and he was a main playmaker. Um, but what he's done with him is since we've not really had a main striker, he's used him as the guy that holds the ball up. If you've noticed, he was doing that again on, on Wednesday because Kamara's so strong, much like Adibo in terms of taking the ball and protecting it and shielding it and getting a turn or getting a half turn, which was exactly what we were missing on Saturday. But weren't he? As I say, we were too safe. There was nobody willing to take it on that half turn. He's, it, I think that's where he plays for Finland, but I think, or I wish, it was just a wee bit more deadly uh, in and around the box. We've seen a glimpse of what he can do against Leipzig with that finish. If he could add that to his game, then as a number 10, he'd be pretty special. Yeah, he most certainly would. And just after that, Scott Wright uh, got his head on a tavernier free kick, clipped the top of the, the crossbar. And at that point, I must admit, I was thinking, is this just going to be one of those days? But into extra time, and it became clear immediately that no, this was not going to be one of those days. Ryan Jack doesn't he score a lot of goals, but no. when he does, they are worth seeing. And this one was exactly that corner kick nodded out. He's in the edge of the box, one touch to set it up. And then the only goal I can really remember was also at Hamden that was like this, and that was Davy Cooper's free kick past Jim Layton in mm. the League Cup final in, in 87. Uh, talk about Thunderbolt. I mean, mm-hmm. it was through and past Craig Gordon, who I think appealed for something, anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't ready. I don't know what he was after. He seemed to be indicating a handball, and I'm really not sure what he thought he'd seen. But it, I, I saw some pundits saying, you know, it was straight in the middle of the goal and Gordon might have done better. I think that's more to do with the fact that he is such a good shot stopper. Mm-hmm. That maybe get, nobody was saving that. It was just it was past him before he had time to react. Uh, a stunning, stunning strike from Ryan Jack. Aye, hundred percent. It was a thing of beauty, and I mean I've been critical of Ryan Jack, not as a player, but I've been critical for that kind of thing. And and even just last week at the Europa League final, I think he had a chance similar area. This guy's over the bar, and I turned to my pal. She he's the last guy you want shooting for the edge of the box because. He's not particularly good at it. He does when he does it, or when he achieves it, it looks great. But they're f- too few and far between. And I'm, I'm thinking maybe up at Ross County, pass one in NA, and then he obviously had that fantastic ball against Kilmarnock last season. And um, he needs to be. I'm, I'm going to be careful, Mars. It's not a case he needs to be doing more than that. But when you've got a game that was going the way that game was going, which is a deadlock, and you're kind of running out of ideas or you're using up all your, your efforts, you've got to get somebody from midfield that does something different, creates chaos, and chaos comes for shooting. We don't do enough as a team. 
and uh, I was delighted to see it because you talk about the intensity of the, the, the extra period, you know, we're talking about fitness and everything else. Jack can epitomise it, and Van Bronckhorst used the subs very, very well, I thought, because when he brought him on, he just brought a, an added focus. You know how he can hold the ball, he makes things happen. He seems to have an impact on his, his teammates in terms of leading the way, by example. And he's just got that, he's always got that bit of bite and aggression in his play, um, just by his, his, his demeanour, never mind his actions. So I was delighted to see Jack get that goal because he's. We've been asking questions about him. He can't. He's no finished ninety minutes for Christ knows how long. That then leads to questions about his long term future. I think if we're being generous, Rangers have been managing him, and it's been proven to be the right thing. And that's the beauty of having a squad and having players that complement each other. I'm I'm hoping that whatever it is that's that's um, causing the, the, the kind of substitutions on 75, whether it's precaution or if it is generally something they need to manage. I'm hoping that he gets a clear run through the summer um, and comes back as, as uh, you know, because he's first choice midfielder for me is he, when, when he's fully fit. I'd like to see him knock Scotland in the head, but maybe that's just my bias. No, I mean, I'd like to see all the players knock international duty on the head, but uh, I, I realise that's probably an unrealistic dream of mine but yeah um, after that then it was a case of could Hearts respond they came out a little bit and were immediately punished uh, Rangers on the break Ryan Kent driving through slips in Scott Wright good touch to, to give himself the angle and then takes it early perfectly placed with power into the corner of the net similar in a way to a goal he scored a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. against Motherwell and it crowned off what I thought was Scott Wright's best performance in a blue jersey maybe yeah, absolutely you took the words out of my mouth I thought Wright came on and was effective and created things and started affecting the game, which he's not done enough. He's, he's came on and he's been a bit of a bit part player. It's as if he hasn't got the, the confidence or belief that he can do that. And um, it was a really, really good goal. Fantastic counter-attack. Um, for me, it's all about Ryan Kent. And Ryan Kent, again, we're talking about fitness, durability, the game on Wednesday... He was a live spark throughout the whole game. Now, it doesn't always come off from him, but what you can never ever accuse Ryan Kent of not doing is doing his part for the team. And if you look at that goal again, it's his harassment, his uh, awareness, and, and, and you know, just being alive to things that wins the ball back, you know, maybe, I don't know, 25, 30 yards for your goal. And he, he starts the movement. Now, it wasn't the best pass to right. I've got to say, I thought he could have been a wee bit in front of him, but right takes it absolutely fantastically and it's a daisy cutter when you see it in slow motion for win the goal you know his technique on that, that finish was fantastic but a wee nod to Ryan Kent there because there he is in extra time doing the, doing the dirty work which I think we kind of got we kind of take for granted now we, 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 we can't I think some of his defensive work and his tactical discipline is absolutely fantastic he sets him aside for his peers and makes up for any kind of grumbles we might have about final ball and all that kind of stuff he's integral to your team Oh, he absolutely is, but I mean, his finishing is dreadful. (laughs) There's no no getting away from it. He's not the cleanest striker of the ball, and unfortunately, uh, it doesn't doesn't lead to the amount of goals that his attacking play deserves. But no, you're absolutely right, I think, and that was a tremendous display from Scott Wright. And sometimes you need that wee breakthrough moment that he maybe hasn't really had so far. He's had some decent matches, but I think that one in such a big game it being the, the cruncher. After that, Rangers just saw the game out really, really cut. Actually, could and should probably have added to it. Uh, Sakala, Kent and Kamara, all forcing good saves from Craig Gordon. The fact he was 
Hearts man of the match, I think, tells you exactly mm-hmm. how that game went. And watching the game at the time, I was like, well, they'll, they'll need to come out now. And they didn't. And at the time, I thought, wow, I'm really surprised at Watching it back today, you know, on the telly rather than in the stands, uh, they couldn't. They had nothing left. They were mm-hmm. dead on their feet. And again, that's testament to Rangers. Our man of the match, again, second time in two, in two cup finals, was Calvin Bassey. This time he was playing at left back. And he was absolutely magnificent. He's put in at least three devil crosses that... Mm-hmm. If we'd had a striker, he would have been walking away with a hat trick. You know, Gordon Judy, mm-hmm. five stuff. Just perfect balls into the box. But it was everything else. It was the relentlessness. It was breaking up attacks. It was the recovery pace. And the moment that sums him up to me and Rangers at the weekend, 119th minute, mm-hmm. he runs out and gets a block in. And the ball's going out for a throw. He doesn't stop. He goes over and retrieves it. Breaks breakneck speed to get there and hammers it 80 yards further up the park and out. And I just thought that's him in a nutshell, that guy. And the 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 growth in Calvin Bassey this season from we saw him earlier in the season, he came in that game almost infamous now against Prague, where he was so poor, he just looked lost. Yeah. He didn't he didn't know where to be positionally, he was miles off, he didn't know when to go, when to step back, he didn't know when to put a tackle in and when to let the guy take a bit of a touch and then attack, and his heading was woeful. The only comparable one is maybe Alan Hutton when he mm-hmm. that run that he ended up turning into Cafu for a bit, but this is remarkable because it's two positions and it doesn't matter where you play him now. You know he's going to give you an absolutely top draw performance. Physically, we know he's got amazing strength, pace. Uh, he's got wonderful stamina. But he also is a terrific one to, one-on-one defender. He doesn't mm-hmm. lose one-on-ones. He just he doesn't. It's that simple. His positional sense has come on leaps and bounds. He's, he, he's always in the right area. And then you add into the fact that when he plays fullback, he's attacking He's attacking, mm-hmm. it's huge. He hits the byline a lot, which is a wonderful quality for anybody who's playing in a wide area. But now he's crossing, I think, is up there. And now he's 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 just an absolute dream of a footballer. He's turned into a monster, David, and, and nobody could have predicted this, as you say, because that, that Sparta Prague game was the one that's in my mind because he was a bomb scare that night. And I remember saying, this boy will never be able to play centre-half and I kind of... You know, if I was being generous, I'd put it down to the fact that Goldson wasn't behind beside him. It was, it was Balligan. And um, we knew he had attributes. We knew he had pace. We, we knew he had a physique. And we knew that he was a, he was a bit of a utility man because he could play centre-half, left centre-half or left-back. And he had this, as you say, this ability to, you know, go by players like a winger and a double shuffle. And, you know, we've seen a tremendous drag-back on Saturday, which was just, you know, incredible. But what we've got now is the intangible benefits of playing at the highest level. These European games have just supercharged Calvin Bassey's development and, more importantly, his confidence in himself, his belief. I think a couple of players have benefited from that because it's not very well playing in Scotland being tested to a degree, but you've obviously got great football players around you and that makes it easier for for you to, to show your worth. But when you're playing at the level against the teams we played, so we're thinking about, you know, especially the Leipzig games and there's no hiding place. You've got to you've got to bring your own game. You can't rely on your, your teammates um kind of contributing to to your own stature. 
I thought he was absolutely outstanding. His strength, his his pace, his um, his footballing abilities. I mean, some of his passion's fantastic. I just think of, I, I don't know what's happened, but whatever it is, it's happened. The boy is now one of our main assets, and the big question is whether we consider him a first choice left back or one of our four centre halves next year, or a bit of both. The, yeah. the, con- the contract situation is, I think he's got two years left, isn't it? He's saying he'll be signing in 2020. Yes. You two years left. If we're being realistic, and I don't want to sell our best players as soon as they become our best players, but this is where we're at. I think, you know, if there's if there's money flowing about for the departure of Goldson, I think a chunk it should be going towards him and then we should be looking to get another season out of him and, uh, and then cashing in our chips. But what, what a... What a perfect example of the value that you can get from doing south with a bit of good scouting and taking advantage of anything that's that's in your favour, i.e. the the cross-border rule that Scottish clubs can take advantage of, and just with a wee bit of patience. He didn't come as a, as a, as a finished article, but there's two years in, he's learned to become a true Rangers player. And not only a true Rangers player, but one of our best Rangers players in the entire squad. And, um, you know, he's went for... We put a price on him, David. Twenty million. If you're talking um, with Nathan Patterson, for me, the bidding that Calvin Bassey should start at twenty-five, and the reason I say that is Kieran Tierney. Yeah. And the the one he's he's played at a much higher level than Tierney. Tierney never played in the latter stages of Europe. Two, you also have the fact that he qualifies as English homegrown, mm-hmm. even though he's a Nigerian international. He's still by the the weird and wacky rules of UEFA. That that's a premium quality. That, that adds something. Uh, three, the fact that you look at the improvement within a season that you don't know where he's going to stop. And four, the the absolute key thing is that he, he's never injured. You know, you mm-hmm. never never have to worry about that with him. Yeah, so for me, know. yeah, that's... Now, in terms of something you mentioned there, that does mean if we're going to now value him at that sort of money, and, and we should, uh, then I think that his agent will go to Rangers and, and be quite right to go, well, if you value him at 20 million, you need to start paying him mm-hmm. much closer to that than when he was just a squad player breaking through at the side. But, I mean, an absolutely tremendous, tremendous footballer. Right now, if this was as good as he got, but it won't be, that's the thing. Look, I, I don't say lightly, oh, player X of, of ours in Scotland could walk into a top for English side, right? Because it is a huge gap. No matter what anybody thinks, it's, it's a really big gap. Right? It's a big gap to, to most of their teams in England. But he could, you know, he, he really does have the ability to go and play at the very, very highest level. Uh, and as you say, I just hope that we either get a ridiculous fee for him or we can get another year added to that contract and, and at mm-hmm. least enjoy him for another year because he's a super player. Um, great attitude. Fans love him. And he's just getting better and better and better. So I look forward to to seeing what next year can bring. One thing next year will bring will be changes, though, Andy. There's no doubt about that. Um, The manager rejected the idea that this is a team coming to the end of its cycle. He says a team coming to the end of its cycle doesn't get to a European final and and win the Scottish Cup. But I think that for a lot of the fans, there there is a suggestion that this, this team is going to break up somehow because we've got a few guys with... No contract time left. Connor Goldson, Leon Balligan, Stephen Davis, Alan McGregor, for example. We've got guys who have one year in their contract, Ryan Kent, Alfredo Morelos, 
um, are in that Joribo are in that boat. So there are going to be changes. Some players will want to go. I think Connor Goldson looks as though he's going to he's going to go to Pastures New. Other players will possibly not be offered a new deal. Uh, although we we still await news on that. There is going to be a turnover this year. Financially, we should be in a good place. There, there should have been money there for Gio, regardless of how we'd done in Europe. But then the European run helps. If we do sell a couple of players, that will bring in more funds as well. Of the Let's start with the older players then, Andy. Um, Alan McGregor was brought on for the last couple of minutes. The first Scottish Cup finally played in. I, I hadn't realised that. that he'd, he'd been injured previously and, and or out of the side and missed our last uh, Scottish Cup. So it was a nice moment for him to get on and just uh, you know complete the set, tick off everything uh, as a ranger. And that understandably sentimental decision, uh, credit to John McLaughlin, it was his idea apparently, and credit to Gio for going along with it. But uh, it kind of did look like, right, that's it, good night. When asked after it, though, he said, well, we'll see. Um, wouldn't confirm it, just understandably wanted to go and enjoy the occasion. Would you be holding on to Alan McGregor for another year? I think that... So the, the answer to your question is the depends who we sign or, who, or what happens next, because you can't say that he's done, because he's, he's clearly no done. His standards may have, you know marginally slipped because we've had a couple of errors this season that have cost us probably the year to be honest but he's still a class goalkeeper I think his comments after the game probably were more savvy than he lets on in terms of creating a, a, a headline for the next morning i.e. McGregor's away and I think he's he's old enough and wise enough to do that and keep the headlines on the, the Scottish Cup as opposed to making it about his, his departure I'll be surprised if we see him and to answer your question directly I would probably say it's time to to move on because what we've seen with McLaughlin is that different dynamic in terms of coming for the ball and with the ball at his feet, it can be very, very positive. You know, the Celtic semi-final was proof positive of that. So there is life after McGregor, as great a goalkeeper he is, and sometimes you can you can change the dynamic of how we play, even by changing the goalkeeper. That's a modern game. So I think he's I think he, I don't think we'll see him next season though. No, I don't either. Um, to be honest, I think it's John McLaughlin's time now. I yeah. think you're absolutely right. It's not an area I'm going, we need to buy in a player, put it that way. Um, and again, I just on Saturday, there were a couple of occasions where Hearts tried to put us under pressure with high balls, and he's just a different type of goalkeeper. Alan McGregor wouldn't have come for him. He did, and just dealt with him, and that was it, done. End of yeah. end of you know the, any hassle, end of any worry. So for me, yes, uh, I think it's it's his time. Stephen Davis is an interesting one, linked with Motherwell and St Mirren. I think possible player coaching roles there hasn't featured as much as as maybe the fans would like. Um, Gio has tended to prefer other players to him, but you know brought him on as a sub in the Europa League final, started him on on Saturday. So you know clearly the idea that he doesn't rate him isn't true, but. I suppose if you're Stephen Davis, it comes down to, will I, do I want to continue on, which I think he does, but do I want to play every week? Because obviously the father time waits for no man and the clock is ticking in his career. Will I accept maybe being a bit part player here next year? And then I suppose more pertinently, will Rangers offer him a year? Because I, I kind of suspect, and I might be totally wrong, but if we were going to Alaska Arfield, we would have. Mm-hmm. Davis is a strange one because 
I'd be quite happy to see him stay around because he's a very, very safe pair of hands in the middle of the park, even if it's, you know, as a bit part player as he, as he has been this year. I think um, it comes down to money. I don't have any idea about what he's what he's on and what he'd be wanting. And it depends where he wants to go with his career because as you say, Dave, he might want to kind of transition into coaching or he might be quite happy to play, uh, you know, a third of the games that are available to him. Whereas if he moves somewhere else, playing every week might not be the best thing for his body or prolonging his football career. I think he's an asset in the, the club and in the dressing room. I don't think there's any doubt about that, that you can't have a guy like Stephen Davis and not have him rub off and younger players round about him. Um, and I was, was it Scott Wright was mentioning him and Arfield as, as kind of semi-mentors that have taken him through tough times. So I would offer him another year, but it comes down to finance and it comes down to being on the same page as what we want, what he wants in terms of football and, and, and playing minutes. I don't think I agree with you. I don't think he'll be here because I think we're an offer him. Yeah, I might be wrong. You know, they they could just be waiting to announce it. But my feeling is is that it would have been done with our field had that been had that been the case. And it might just be you know I think it's been clear since Dio loves our field. You know, just Mm -hmm. as a player and as a person, and he might feel I want to keep one of these old heads around these experienced Mm -hmm. players, and he's maybe made his choice. But you know, we'll see. Time will tell on that uh, as as things get discussed. Now, we're going to, as I say, see a turnaround. Uh, personally, I think Alfie will stay. I think he might mm-hmm. sign a new deal. I think Kent will go and I think Aribo will go. Mm-hmm. I, 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 think, I, I think the overhaul is, and this is just me, is slightly overstated because I think, um, I don't think we are used to now selling multiple players because we've had, I don't know, three, four years now where we've had massive Stability, as big a stability as you'll get in the modern game just now in terms of keeping players. Um, so I think us selling players, three, four, five, six players, or getting rid of that kind of numbers may come as a shock to the system, to the support. So um, I think Morelos will stay. I don't think he's ever been as settled. And I've referred in other pods about the fact he's moved house, he's, he's got the kid now. Um, I think a rebo can and Kamara are the three saleable assets, but I don't think we'll sell all three of them. I think two of the three will go, and I think I don't know who. I think um, Kamara's longer contract. Kamara's got longer contract, but um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see one of them run down their contract, David. I, I think this notion that you can't have any players run down their contract is, is misplaced. Every club will have it. Every club will have players that exercise their right to do that and not every player that does that needs to be an odds and Edward where you kind of down tools and you think he's, he, he, you're not getting your money's worth of it um, Aribo's pretty integral to us I mean there's, there's a reason he's played more games for us than anybody else and as a, we've spoke already on this very pod about Ken so I think that they three of them Kamara's the one that's probably most replaceable if you like but mm. um I'm not sure which of the three will go. I think I think two of the three will be will be a way to to fund a wee bit more of the activity. The other thing about funding is we've got to remember for the first time in a long time we've got surety of budget because we've got European group stage football and Europa League guaranteed next year. So that coupled with the fact that we've, we've more or less negated the Malmo defeat this year by getting to the final uh, and the sale of parts and maybe a wee bit of the, the Gerard money. I don't know how much that was. It means we've, we've probably got the most secure and, and 
uh, settled budget we have had, you know, since since the dark days, and that will allow the football department to actually plan or to execute plans that they might have had in place with a wee bit more um, certainty. So th- th- this is why I don't think the selling of players is particularly, um, I'm not going to say necessary, but I don't think it's, it's as critical as we probably think. I think the team could do with a refresh. Um, oh, I do, I think, that, that we could do with that infusion of new blood. We didn't really see it this year. Um, I don't think our windows have been good. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Aaron Ramsey missed a penalty, yes, um, but it doesn't. That the penalty's got nothing to do with whether Aaron Ramsey was a good or a bad sign, and it's the fact that he didn't play enough for us, so it didn't work. It was a punt, yeah, and, or it was a, rather it was a, a a smash for the defenses, but it didn't work. Diallo didn't work for whatever yeah. reason. Um, Sands came in as a bit part player, has been a bit part player. The summer window, John Lundstrom has worked. Um, after a slow start, it's worth more than we could have, you know, imagined, and he's now absolutely integral into the team. But I don't really think that the other summer signings did. So we need that infusion of first team players, guys who are going to come in and play, guys who are going to bring that wee bit of different to the side. I think that's, you know, that it, it probably needed it last summer, but it definitely needs it now. 100%. Moving on, then Andy, just to to wrap it up. Then so you mentioned earlier you're tired I'm tired we're all I think mentally a bit done in and fans and players are like needing this this preseason don't get me wrong in a couple of weeks we'll all be going when's the football back and and you know scanning uh, every transfer site we can get our hands on to see any rumours that are coming in that's that's just the way football fans are it's been a strange season I think that there is a feeling deservedly so that we blew the league you know it wasn't that we were done by a much better team fair play Celtic were consistent but Rangers had it in it we had it in our hands and we blew it um too up and down too too many times we gave we threw away points and we blew the league then this European run and these are special they don't happen often and when they do they are very special going all the way to Seville yes in the end we didn't win it but you know some incredible nights some incredible memories Ending up with a trophy. Now, as I mentioned earlier, it's not like we've been exactly keeping silversmith engravers <laughs> busy the last few years. So it, I don't I find it difficult, maybe just because of the age I am, that if we don't win the league, I find it hard to call it a successful season. But then it's as successful and unsuccessful season as you can possibly have. And overall, I think that it will be probably fondly remembered in time in much the way that 2008 is. Aye. Now, I agree with you that there's this kind of default position that you can't um, call a season that you don't win the league successful. And that's borne out the fact that, you know, we live in the world, we live in it's either other is it or Celtic, so it do or die from that perspective. But we have craved, we still crave, we always crave recognition beyond these shows because we don't get any recognition on these shows. Let's face it, we could, and I'm talking about Rangers as a club, a football team as a supporter, we are never ever going to get a pat on the back for anybody um, in Scotland. That's just that's just the way it is, and we accept it. But glory in Europe, and, and, and glory can come in many forms, it doesn't mean you need to win the trophy, but recognition... If you go to Portugal and ask them what they think of Rangers, what they're going to say. If you go to Germany and ask them what they think of Rangers, what they're going to say. We're, we're, we're pretty renowned around Europe now. And 
it's with good reason because we've had three or four seasons now of um, repairing that and it's it's shown in the coefficient. So would if you were to tell me at the start of the season this is what would happen, would I take it? I would have taken it in a heartbeat, 100%. You tell me that getting to Europa League final um, in any context, far less the context that we've, we've been born now isn't a result? Of course it is. That night against Leipzig at Ibrox, love me forever. Live with me forever. Braga wasn't far behind it. I went to Dortmund and seen us beat, no just beat, stuff Borussia Dortmund in the rain patch. Night, things like that don't happen very often for anybody, far less Rangers. And we're all actually aware of, of uh, how the world has changed, the football world has changed in terms of finances. So for us to be doing this now is something that even if we'd done that when we were spending tens of millions of pounds with Andrew Carr or Andrew Walter Smith, who I thought was a tremendous achievement. So for me, this season is, what I say, unqualified success because we know what happened to the league. But I think it would have been a very, very an unrealistic order, tall order to expect us to do what we did in Europe and win the league. It's pretty hard. And it's those inches that you lose by doing that. I think your, your season twisted on two things. The the movement of the pre-Christmas games to after Christmas due to the COVID scare killed us. And also Morelis' injury and going over to, to Colombia. Um, those two things are what cost us an even better season, I think, for me. Plus the managerial upheaval. Aye, and yeah, we forget about that, David, don't we? We, we, we do, take that. We, as we almost forget about that. But, Aye. you know, Geo is... Geo, there's, there's always going to be a transitional period. It becomes a transitional season for you if a manager changes. Of course. Um, because that... He comes in with his new way of working, his, his own ideas, and then it took a while to get them across. We've seen it the last two, three months, definitely. We absolutely have. And I think that... He has now shown what he's got as a manager. I think tactically he's terrific. Clearly the players do want to play for him. That any kind of rumours about that, I think I'm nonsense. And I'm looking forward to seeing that when he puts his stamp on the side, what we're gonna get. I think he is now, you know, fully acquainted with Scottish football again. That that is a fact. You know, Gerard was exactly the same. You've got to kind of get used to the mm-hmm. idiosyncrasies of the game up here. I think he's into that that run now. And I'm very excited for next season. But you're right. I mean, this season I saw what I think is the best ever single European result we've ever had, which was when we beat um, certainly my lifetime. I'll I'll qualify this by saying my lifetime. But when we beat Dortmund four two in Dortmund was incredible. Um, I had three outstanding nights, almost progressively better: Red Star, Belgrade, Braga, and mm-hmm. Leipzig at Ibrox. With Leipzig becoming probably the best night I've ever experienced at Ibrox. Mm-hmm. I got to go to a European final, which was, you know, incredible. And we were within a ball here of, of coming home with a trophy. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, I'm always going to remember this season. It is, it's been absolutely unforgettable. And I look forward to the, the future with a bit of confidence. Right, folks, that will do us then uh, for Heart and Hand for this season. I mean, there will be more. Don't worry. We'll still be bringing you content every week throughout the summer, so don't panic too much. Um, it'll uh, A good time, though, if you get bored and you're missing your Fitbit fix, to go to our Patreon site. We'll continue with stuff all throughout the summer there. Patreon.com forward slash Heart and Hand. I'd like to thank our sponsors throughout the season. I'd like to thank our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers. 
all the podders have came on and contributed, and especially tonight, Mr Andy McGowan. As I always say, Dave, it's my pleasure talking about the Rangers. Um, it's been a funny all season, but, uh, you know, we're back and, and we, we should be going through the summer with heads held high and looking forward to next year because we are back. Absolutely. And on a personal note, I'd just like to thank all you listeners for sticking by us. This was the most challenging year in the history of Heart and Hand when a newspaper tried to take us down because they fear what we're turning into, what new media is turning into, and you wouldn't let them. It was that simple. You rallied round us and you brought us through and you actually turned what they hoped would be the death knell of Heart and Hand into our most successful season of all time. So I want to thank each and every one of you for that. It means more than you will ever know. As I said, Papers of customers, we have a community and we're only going to get bigger and stronger and the Rangers are going to be exactly the same. Thank you so much to everyone and we'll be back next summer. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.